I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work at Home Edition. So uh, I like to do interviews at home, and today is Jules Robbins, the representative of Red on the Council of Colors, uh, in an ongoing series, uh, interviewing all the different uh, representatives. So welcome, Jules. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Okay, so I think you are the second longest uh, uh, on any color. I think uh, the Ethan has the... He's Ethan's number one on blue, but you've been on red, I think, longer than anybody else other than Ethan on blue. Uh, so let's talk all about red. All right. Hey. Okay, so first, let me ask, the, I'll, I'll begin with this question. I've asked some, the same questions I asked uh, Megan. Um, what do you think, like, what 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 has red, uh, what has red added in the last couple of years that you think is key that is important that red is now doing where it might not have been doing it before? Yeah, I think this is kind of across a few different effects, but the big project on Red of late has been trying to figure out how to translate the core of the color to something that plays well in formats like Commander, where play a bunch of small aggressive creatures and back it up with a few burn spells to the face is not as good a strategy. So really trying to figure out... Right, What's the essence here? We've represented it through speed and aggression through a lot of magic, but really that's just like one side of red being about passionate emotion and living in the moment. So I, right, I guess the first real foray into this was the impulsive draw mechanic where you exile cards and can play them for that turn uh, from the top of your library. And... Right. That's been around quite a while now, but we keep making little like tweaks and innovations to there. We've recently had a lot more cards that let you spend a fair amount of mana to exile your cards and then play them on the next turn instead of needing to get it all done right now. And even been exploring a little bit of space like Robber of the Rich, uh, who lets you cast the exiled cards on any turn in which you attacked with a rogue. So... You know, you're limited. You have to play them when they're available. You're not just drawing cards, but a little more flexibility in how we do this. Yeah, this is an interesting sp space, I know. Uh, the idea of we don't want Red to have... Like, we want Red to be a little more spontaneous, right? We don't want Red to plan ahead too much. Um, but I know we've been trying to expand, okay, well, how can I draw, and maybe I can use it on future turns. Um, th this is a space I'm very excited by, so... Yeah, I think this has really been one of the big success stories in giving Red a way to go into the late game and not run out of steam, but that still just plays in an extremely Red fashion. Okay, um, Okay. what else? I, I, think, I think the other biggest piece has probably been uh, the treasure mechanic. Red's had rituals for a long time, this sort of like burst of mana, use it and then you're done as a counterpoint to Green's you know, mana acceleration that sticks around is a much better pattern, but, you know, classic rituals like Pyretic Ritual, 1R Instant, at 3 red tier mana pool just uh, tend to go off and make, you know, broken storm combo decks and whatnot. You're ahead on mana the turn you use them. Uh, treasures sticking around and letting you sac for, sacrifice for mana later still do the sort of, like, big burst of going in on something gameplay, but in a way that's much more plausible to, you know, make reasonable cards out of. 
though, you know, we've had our fair share of struggles right at the beginning of the mechanic, like we often do with big new space. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting uh, is the idea that when we first start out, like, um, one of the things we added to red uh, is um, uh, discard and draw, right? That That's something we, we added. Uh, and right. I think we were trying to figure out, like, what's the right way to let red have access to stuff? Where, how do you do more card flow in red? And originally, we just did draw and discard, right? That was the original version. And they're like, well, well, that's not so red, you know. And the idea, like, we came up with is, well... Red discarding first means, like, blue's a little more plotting things out, and red's sort of like, well, don't need this. What can I get? Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's a really key point. Like, there are a lot of gameplay elements in Magic that one color is the best at, say, card filtering in blue, but a lot of the most core elements we really need across a lot of colors, so there's, we have a lot of effort trying to figure out how to differentiate them and make each color's version really feel most at home in that color. And it's it's, it's trial and error. I mean, I use rummaging as my example because we were cry, trying to figure out how to do it in red, and, like, early on we didn't quite do it the way we ended up doing it, but, like, quickly figured out, oh, that doesn't quite feel red enough. And that's... Yeah. that. One of the interesting things for me about red specifically is... Uh, that red has a real good feel to it. So a lot of times when we're trying to add mechanics, it's like, okay, how do we how do we get the red the red how do we do this in the red way? What's the red way to get cards or stuff like that? Right. So what do you have your eye on? What isn't red doing right now that as the as the representative for red, you're like maybe red should be doing this. Yeah, there are a few spaces here. A lot, right? Trying to just like you were saying, capture that or feeling that we've done on like a card or two, but I think have potential to do a lot more. So I guess the first big one for me is this sort of like uncertain value and upside space. Like we've done Cascade before and reprised it in the Warhammer 40k commander decks, but I think there's a lot of good gameplay in this space as long as we can, you know, steer clear of, uh, modern combo deck angles on it and um right it just feels very red to go like all right i'm gonna get something good i don't know what it is yeah it's interesting a, a couple years back maybe five years at this point um we decided that anything that goes and gets something from your library but you just don't know like it it's unknown what you're getting uh we started put like um Polymorph, for example. Polymorph used to be a solely blue effect. Uh, so Polymorph is sack a creature, go get another creature, right? You, you turn this creature into another creature. And that, we said blue, like if blue knows what it's turning into, great. Blue can turn anything into anything. But when it's like, this becomes, who knows what it becomes, that we want that in red and not in blue. Yeah. And right. So that there's a bunch of space here. The challenges with these cards are mostly like, well, it takes a lot of words to talk through all the tiny steps of flipping cards one by one off the top of your library, and then you have to do something with the rest <laughs> of the cards. So it keeps us from uh, flooding sets with tons of these, but I think there's a lot of promise in this space. Uh, another piece that I think we've really underexplored for red is... I guess what I'll call the volcano space okay. where you have effects that are sort of like slowly building up pressure over time. And then they have a big explosion moment. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So the one I can think of in recent memory is Stencia Uprising from, I think, Dow. Uh, right, which every turn makes it, it's a four mana red enchantment, every turn it makes a 1-1, and then if you have exactly 13 permanents, you can sacrifice it to deal 7 damage anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, one of the big challenges of the recent time is Commander was not a, like, when Magic was originally made, Richard really balanced it around two-player play. Um, and Commander, like, adding in the multiplayer element and 40 life, like, just all these things that, like, take things that, uh, you know, like, it's not balanced from a color pie perspective. At least when it was made, it wasn't balanced. Like, certain colors were just better. Certain co- like, it, like, it played into every strength green had, and it really played into the weaknesses of red and white in a way that was, like, troublesome. Um, and I know we've spent a lot of time, because the answer is not making red and white just not red and white. It's like how do you, how do you how do you take red and keep it red? Um, and I love impulsive draw is a great answer for look red needs more card advantage, but we don't want red just like drawing cards upright. Like that's not quite what red is. Yeah, and yeah, to to that point, a lot of this has been like trying to figure out <laughs> what plays especially well in the multiplayer environment that's at home in red, and maybe didn't get enough focus when Magic was. Magic design was so focused on two-player play. Like I think Goad is a really great example of this. Uh, this is a mechanic that shows up in a lot of commander sets and forces creatures to attack and attack someone other than you if they can. And so Red's done a tiny bit of this, like forcing creatures to attack space mm-hmm. for a long time, but it's really hard to get into a satisfying spot for two-player play because it often either does nothing if your opponent just wanted to attack anyway or is completely killing their creatures if you've got a 5-5 to run their stuff into. So the variability is just huge. But in four-player play, when you're like, you're going to go attack someone else, it's a lot easier to get this into fun space where you can be pretty confident your cards are going to do something helpful for you, but the opponent has some choice and isn't just forced to throw away all their creatures all the time. So is Goad primary in red? How's Goad treated in in? in uh... Yeah, Goad's definitely strongly primary in red and uh, secondary in blue in commander design these days. Okay, so what is something red does that maybe red's not supposed to do? Is there anything you think red is sort of encroaching area that it kind of shouldn't be? Yeah, one that's been on my mind a lot is, I guess, <laughs> going back to... Stencia Uprising, Red's been doing a lot of really wide token making of late, which I think is stepping on White's toes a fair bit. Um, And this is kind of hard because, you know, there is a lot of classic Red gameplay in swarms of goblins and whatnot. But a differentiation point I've been thinking about a lot, and we tried on uh, Gut True Soul Zealot, is she makes like or one skeleton tokens with menace, which are maybe a little big for one v one player because mm-hmm. that card's aimed specifically at commander. But this sort of power statted token space, as opposed to swarming out with as many one ones, I think gives red more room to still do some token making and uh, have that gameplay, but not go as wide as white and steal all of its 
uh, army buildup goodness. Yeah, one of the things that whenever we run into this, like there are things red does with tokens that make feel super red. Like for example, the temporary tokens where they come into play for one turn, they have haste and they go away. That feels super red. Um, and then also red seems to be king of like the three one, <laughs> the three one <laughs> tokens. No one else is making three ones like red is. Um, and the other space, I guess we've already moved away from, but had rubbed me the wrong way in red for a long time was the, uh, trash for treasure space where red was reanimating artifacts just by sacrificing some other artifact. And this like, sounds like a very red thing. You're like, I'm going to, you know, disassemble this for parts and build something brand new, but that's not really how it played. It was always like, I've got the plan to cheat this one huge artifact out. I just need to discard a card. This is pretty much the, you know, but black reanimation space, but for artifacts. And we've pretty recently decided that makes a lot more sense in white where you are trying to, you know, generate lots of little permanents and, uh, White really plays into reanimating artifacts and enchantments in general. So this makes sense as just another version of that baseline effect. Yeah, we recently had a, I mean, recently, a, a few months ago, we had an interesting conversation about graveyards. And, like, we we had gotten a little, we had let everybody do a little too much in the graveyard. We were sort of, like, trying to concentrate. Um, and that black, green, and white all sort of have more, like, we decided that red and blue are supposed to do less in the graveyard. I mean, it's a little bit they get to do, but we, we sort of toned back a lot of what red, red and blue were doing in the graveyard. Um, right. and, and we did talk about right, ways still to do things. Like, I think Unearth is a very red take on uh, how to use artifacts from the graveyard sort of in the same space as its temporary token making or the impulsive draw, sort of like, use it right now, you get one shot out of this artifact. Yeah, that's, so, it's interesting. The, there are two things that we've used a lot to say, well, we can do this, but in red. One is the idea of temporariness. Like, I can do it, but I just get it right now, and for this turn, and, like, it's not a long-term thing, it's a temporary thing. And then the other we just talked about was, like, there's a random element, right? I just don't know what's going to happen. And both of those have been have allowed us to dip in a lot of areas that aren't normally red, but in a way that we get to do red stuff in. Like, one of my favorite yeah, things cool. to do in red, by the way, is uh, Heat Shimmer. Yeah. So Heat Shimmer is oh, when yeah. you, you copy something, but only for the turn. Um, and I, the, the I, I don't know, that stuff, I, I'm a huge fan of Heat Shimmer type stuff. Yeah, me, me too. It takes a lot of self-restraint to try to only put one in every set, I read. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about uh, a controversial topic. Uh, there's much to this. This is a topic that is much debate, and we've been arguing about this since the beginning of the console colors. So, what is your stance on wheel of fortune effects? Yeah, these are a tough one. So, on the one hand, I think the like incentives and play pattern are very red. They're like, look, I'm not going to sit here and try to find the perfect time for all my spells. I just want to do my stuff get my hand empty, and then keep going. Uh, The problem being that it's, you know, tough to put this into a space that's not 
overshadowing colors that are supposed to be a lot better at drawing cards once you're doing the thing. If we're asking you to discard your whole hand, the upside needs to be pretty big. Nobody wants to play divination, but you have to discard your hand first. But then if you follow through and do that and play out all your one-mana creatures and burn spells at your opponent's face, suddenly the wheels are drawing cards way more efficiently than the blue cards can. And it's really tough to find balance points where we get to take the fun red incentive and not end up uh, screwing up the ordering of color strengths. Yeah, and one of the tricky things, so Wheel of Fortune is a really good example of this. So magic will introduce an effect. Someone does the effect, you know, Wheel of Fortune was an alpha. And then it's kind of a cool effect. We want somebody to do the effect, but like, who exactly is supposed to... It's not really blue, you know. It, you know, like, throwing away your hand is not particularly blue. Um, and, and so, it's like, it's really weird. Who exactly is supposed to be doing this? And we we often default, like, so we grandfather things in. We're like, well, this is the couple that has done it. Um, I know we've messed around a lot with Winds of Change, which is discard your hand and then draw what you discarded. So you're not going up cards. You're just sort of changing cards. Uh, and we, I think we've decided Red can do that without a problem. Um, right, I think that's just sort of the extreme far end of rummaging. So yeah. <laughs> rummage as much as you want. Right. Um, and it, it, it's hard. We like the effect. It's a fun effect. We want players to play with it. But it is... It, it, we have to be careful because there are a lot of ways in which it plays not red. And that, 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 that's the big danger is... It, it's easy to say, oh, red's done this. It's a red thing. But just because early magic did something doesn't inherently mean that it plays to the color strengths. I, I, I do think there's really good inspiration there. We've been looking to, like, how can we get small doses on cards that make sense? But we've been looking at setting up some rummaging effects. So they're just like, discard a card, then draw a card. If you manage to empty your hand, congrats, you get to go up a card without discarding one. But yeah. not have the extreme swing that a Wheel of Fortune Oh, uh, and here's another uh, slightly controversial, I mean, it's in the same vein, is mm -hmm. um, we do things where you discard and draw, but depending on how we template them, uh, do you have to discard the cards? Because you can template in such a way that in an empty hand, you can just draw cards. Where's your stance on that? I, I think it is pretty context dependent. Like, if we're Right, making a creature with when this enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw a card. I don't think we need the if you do. I think that's a reasonable level of reward to give you for the red play pattern of playing all your stuff out. If we have a card that taps to rummage every turn, suddenly this gets a lot weirder where you're going all the way up to drawing two cards a turn every turn, and that might work out reasonably somewhere high up the curve on a red rare and sort of right a grafted skull cap space you have to use up your whole hand every turn but you get to draw two cards but you know we might make a common rummager and we can't do that there it's going to be a lot better at drawing cards than whatever commons we can give blue if you're following through yeah i mean the, the big takeaway i think is there's a lot of nuance it's not like yes you can do it or no you can't do it it's how are you doing it i mean that's why we have all our meetings, <laughs> to talk through, like, is this doing correctly, is that doing correctly? 
Um, there are a lot of aspects to balance against each other, like how do the cards read? What are the incentives in gameplay? What's the actual strength that the output of the effect you're ending up with? Mm. Okay, so my uh, next question for you is, I want to go through the colors, and I want to talk about... Um, what the conflict is with this color as far as what are your fight what are you fighting over and and who should who should be getting what are the things you're fighting over <laughs> so we're going to start with white so what 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 is red fight over with white yeah so we've already talked about uh token making and trash for treasure a little bit uh i think a lot of the struggle on the other side is really aggressive one and two mana creatures for standard. The even despite all the changes we've made in one v one gameplay, red still definitely biases more so than any of the other colors towards being really aggressive decks, and those often need support in standard to have strong fast starts so that they can put other decks on the back foot. But white's supposed to be the best color at little creatures and we often run into issues where trying to get the red aggressive decks to work make it uh, really hard to draw any distinction between the strength of white small creatures and reds okay in other things on red right or you want to move on <laughs> okay well, let's move on we'll move on to red yeah, uh, blue to blue what are red and blue fight over I think red and blue mostly manage to cooperate on these, but are constantly kind of battling over the huge amount more hybrid space that these colors have than most of the enemy color pairs, mm -hmm. where we'll have spell copying and choosing new targets for things and making copies that are of permanents that are usually temporary in red and right. Most of the time, we don't want to fill sets with tons and tons of these effects, and red and blue both have a pretty small number of rare effects that are short to write on a magic card. A lot of their interesting effects take a lot of words, so when sets are trying to do a twist on a new mechanic that's also going to take up some space in the text box... They're often at loggerheads about who's going to get to twin cast a spell or something like that. Okay, so who do you think is supposed to be better at copying spells, red or blue? Yeah, this I think is again a point of nuance. I think the like baseline twin cast reverberate whatever copy a spell right that's on on the stack that either person played. Uh, is actually more at home in red. It's very improvisational gameplay when you're using your opponent's spells, and red is uh, very much like the setup for one big turn space. The times we make, you know, a creature that taps to copy any spell you play, or uh, card that will copy the first spell you play every turn if you've met its condition. I think those sorts of repeated value on just make all my spells better spaces are more at home in blue. Okay, let's move on to black. Red and black. So red and black is uh, one of the colors that have a lot of overlap. 
Yeah, after green and white, I think probably the color pair that shares the most space. Um, yeah, a lot of this contention, I think, comes down to uh, gameplay and limited. We often end up in spots where all the strongest cards in both of these colors are, you know, removal spells, killing the opponent's creatures. And even when we try hard to differentiate them, we're like, we've got to make some, you know, creature with a lot of strength in it getting into combat in these colors. They both often end up at menace. <laughs> and right, there's just a lot of difficulty in getting the play patterns to diverge a lot and make them feel separate, especially in limited play. Um. Is there any effect that you think that red is supposed to be better than black? The, 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 the areas where they overlap, like this is yeah. red should be better at this than black is, is, is at this. Right. So I, I think the one that we have a lot of trouble with, again, mostly balancing for standard, is removing small creatures. Like black is the best color at killing creatures overall, but. Red's burn spells should be more efficient at dealing with specifically the small ones than blacks. The problem is we just don't have that many numbers to choose between, right? Like you've got one, two, and three as the toughnesses the small creatures have, and there's not a lot of room to make clear differentiation between the red spell doing two damage to a creature and the black one giving it minus two, minus two until end of turn, both for one mana. So we often run into spots where red's not actually the best at killing off the small creatures when it really ought to be. Okay, moving on. Red and green. Where, where do these where do these fight for for space? Well, I think more and more so. Red has been encroaching on some of green's enormous creature beatdown space. Uh, this has been. I think a spot we've looked both to try to give Red some more late game play in 1v1 and in multiplayer uh, is just make sure the big creatures can smash really hard. And, you know, it also feels like a red thing, but it's green's primary strength. So we sometimes get into spots with, you know, the red creature that's an 8-6 trample, not feeling that different from the green one that's a 7-7 seven, seven trample, and a challenge on figuring out where we can allocate a little more of the out strength for the red creatures outside of just ability to smash in combat to keep them off each other. We get some help out of dragons often being one of the big things, and they get to fly where green's not likely to be doing that. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, uh, green is obviously number one at this, but I know we've been trying to, like, uh, up giant growth a little bit in red, like letting red mm -hmm. do a little bit more, just because trying to make combat more interesting. Um, and for a long time, like, red just did power and not toughness, and we're like, well, it's a little better gameplay if I'm improving toughness some, so. Right, it's like we would have to cheat it and write first strike every time, which sort of effectively makes your creature survive more, even though it's not technically granting toughness, and... We moved to a model with a lot more options for red, either being able to give square stats, it's only pumping an attacking creature, or being able to give some toughness as long as it's giving more power. 
Okay, so we're almost. I'm, I can all, I can see my desk from here. Um, <laughs> so, what are your final thoughts? Like, sort of uh, the state of red right now. What what what's your what's your th- thinking on red as as red's representative? Yeah, I I think the biggest focus for red right now is trying to figure out how to find it some more space that is short enough to fit on a lot of magic cards and give some more uh, novel direction and incentive for how to build your decks for a lot of higher rarity stuff. Uh, Red's mostly got two kinds of effects, really long ones and really staple ones that we do all the time on red cards and I think that's, you know, the bright horizon to look for on where Red's next big improvement is to be found. Yeah, we had a a meeting, once again, a couple months ago, where we were like, what can Red do that Red isn't currently doing? Like, one of the things we got from from play design is, okay, I have a hole in Red, it's a high rarity card, I just want to do something different, and like, right, Red has the least amount of sort of flexibility of, of, of variety of effects. Um, and so we spent a lot of time brainstorming, like, what's a cool thing red can do that feels super red? Um, so some of that hopefully you guys will be seeing because we're trying to do more of that. So Yeah, da- damage is very flexible, but it doesn't read new and exciting, even if it hits a slightly different subset of stuff and ends up playing differently. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's only... I know from building sets, you always get to the point where like, okay, enough direct damage. <laughs> we, we have enough direct damage in red. What else can we do? So... Well, thank you, Jules, for being with me. Uh, like I said, it's. Uh, I'm hoping the audience, I want them to get the nuance. Like, we think really, really hard about the color buy. And it's fun to, I love talking to each individual member because, like, you're, you're, like, there's all these nuance and little tiny things. And, yeah, red should do this, but in this way. Or red should, shouldn't do this. Anyway, so there's a lot of, like, we have lots and lots of meetings where we talk about this in, in, in minutia. So it's, it's fun. I don't, I, I love discussing this stuff. Yeah, I, I really enjoy getting some extra opportunity to just go through a bunch of it outside of our meeting, too. So thanks for having me on. Oh, well, well, thanks for having us. And everybody, I'm now at my desk. So we all know what that means. It means instead of, uh, that means at the end of my drive to work. I, that's what it means. Uh, instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thanks, Jules, for being with us. Thank you. And I'll see all of you guys next time. Bye-bye.